Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Coding with Christine Hall. Today is National Rotisserie Chicken Day. I wish I could make that up, but I didn't. Um, it's also National Moonshine Day. Now, I didn't make that one up, but after this week that I've had, um, who knows? Let's see, right? <laughs> I have the pleasure of having Linda Martine with me today. She is the owner and senior consultant for Revenue Cycle Manage Consultants. Did I say that right, Linda? Close enough. <laughs> uh, she's also a past member of the AAPC Advisory Board and on the, the Chapter Advisory Board. And Linda, you've just been such an amazing part of AAPC for such a long time. Um, your name is nothing new to anybody that's been in this industry for a long time and thank you well, so much thank you thank you christine thanks for joining us today um so the the thought behind this season was that i wanted to introduce some other specialties and talk about how coders that come into this industry how they can find their way to different specialties and what people like about them and what they don't like about them and what resources. And so I thought, let's just do that. Let's just call the experts in and let's ask them. So uh, I'm really curious to know how you, how you actually started your journey into coding. You'd mentioned something earlier to me about AAPC. And um, so I was just wondering, how did you, how'd you get into this crazy gig? Oh, it's funny, like most people my age or close to my age, it was more by accident than anything else. Uh, we, uh, for the most part, worked in physician offices or groups or for an organization where coding fell under the all other responsibilities <laughs> as assigned category. <laughs> I'm sure some of you can relate to that. I started um, off um, in 88 on a pegboard. Oh, yeah. Remember the pegboard. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that tickles me that people can't believe when I talk to them is typing the 1500 claim form with carbon paper on our trusty IBM Selectrix and then packaging up and put in an envelope and mailing them to all the different payers. Yeah, so, I had a um, billing company for a long time. And oh, um, you know then. Uh, uh, back in, in the early parts, I still had my IBM. Now we had, we, by the time that I started the company or that I bought the company, we had already those, um, the track forms. You remember the track forms that had the little perforations on the edge and, yes. and they would go through the dot matrix printers. Mm -hmm. We only had those. Um, but I did always have that IBM set aside because... Linda, it took so long to program that IBM. Do you remember there were certain yes. functions that you could oh, program into it? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that was not my area of expertise. So yeah, just give me the typewriter, okay? <laughs> just, oh. How exciting was but, that? Uh, but so, anyway, it uh it 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 was it has been a journey. Uh, I went from you know, single physician practice, two or three physicians, large groups, hospital outpatient clinics, um, until I decided I want to do something different. And um, if you know me, you know that I'm easily <laughs> bored. And um, once I master a, a specific task or skill set, I'm ready to learn something new. So um, unfortunately, 
or maybe fortunately, I never worked for anyone longer than three years, maybe. Uh, and then um, a consultant position was announced at my local chapter meeting. And, you know, fax your resume to. Uh-huh, fax. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, which I did, which led to a telephone interview where they hired me on the spot. I didn't meet my boss for two years. Wow. I was in the Midwest. The company was based in California. So, um, but it was a great experience because it would be nothing to get a call on Thursday saying, I need you in Des Moines on Monday to do a pharmacy audit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you spent the weekend cramming to try and learn everything you could <laughs> about whatever it was I was supposed to be doing. But it gave me a tremendous scope of exposure, um, which I'm very grateful for. Yep. Yep. We, so, we, a lot of us have learned by fire. Hey, oh, yeah. Well, back then it was the only way to learn because coding wasn't a profession. Right. You know, there there was no training. I remember how excited I was when I learned about the AAPC and, oh, my gosh, there's other people out there that, <laughs> that do what I do and I can talk to them. <laughs> I can ask them questions. I it remember was the first time I went to HealthCon and the only way to describe it was Disney World for coders. It was <laughs> exactly. Incredible. They were all speaking my language. They were yes. all, these were my people. Yes, and you'd found your tribe. Right. <laughs> exactly. Love it. Love it. So you you found your way to wound care coding at one point. I was recruited through a former colleague by a um, biopharma company. Um uh, the wound care area that I spent the next 15 years in was that area where bioengineered skin substitutes were used in chronic wound healing, uh, either in the physician office or the hospital outpatient center, um, you know, wound care centers or um, lymphedema centers, uh, anything that, uh, you know, there's a lot of crossover uh, yeah. in there. You know, that the sad thing is, is wound care is still not recognized as a specialty by any of the professional organizations, the AMA, um, or anything like that. You had mentioned that earlier mm -hmm. when, when we were talking about you coming on. And, yes. and I, I thought that's, that's a shame because, you know, wound care in, in this day and age is, it really is its own specialty. We have wound care clinics. Yes. How can you not have a specialty when we medicine has recognized this as a specialty area? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, I, you know, I'm hoping it'll get to that eventually. I think it's going to have to because one of the things we talk about when we talk about wound care is that it's not going away. Our population is aging. They have more comorbid uh, conditions, um, diabetes, for instance, yeah. or hypertension or vascular disease, all those things which ultimately lead uh, to chronic wounds. It's funny, um, Linda, because I work with um, a, a, a group of dermatologists. Oh, and there I, you go. I, oh, yeah, I say that to mm -hmm. them all the time. Mm -hmm. I say, you know, you could have a person who presents with uh, a wound and you're just diagnosing this as a wound, 
but you don't give me all the rest of the information. So I don't know if this is a healthy 25 year old person who just has a wound on their foot. We're putting a mm-hmm. bandaid on it, giving them a kiss on the forehead and <laughs> turning them off on their way. Or is this a, an 80 year old person with diabetes, peripheral vascular disease, exactly. neuropathy? Because that story explains a greater complexity to me. But if Absolutely. you just give me a wound, mm-hmm. a wound doesn't have the same complexity that once you tell me the story of this patient that I can understand. Exactly. Yeah. Without treating the underlying condition, as you said, it's just like putting a Band-Aid on it and giving them a, a pat on the head and sending them out the door. Um, I like being involved in wound care because they're one of the few practitioners, types of practitioners, who do look at that. You know, they have to do these whole vascular workups, endocrine workups, and so forth to see if they can get to the root of the problem. Otherwise, you're never going to heal that chronic mm-hmm. wound. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. That's incredible there. So um, what are some of the things that you really are interested when it comes to wound care. I was doing a little digging and I saw that there's so many different types of skin substitutes now and pressure vacuums and all kinds of incredible. Exactly. It's, it's been interesting to see over the last 10 years, I would say the, um, the number of skin substitutes, uh, whether they be bioengineered or not, um, has just exploded. I mean, they're, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning, it's funny, you know, we, we, yeah. we, we had Aplograph, yeah. <clears throat> we had um, Oasis, and then Dermagraft came along. And that was back when the application had a 90-day global period. Wow. Yeah. Hello, Modifier 58. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. Um, finally, you know, common sense prevailed and all that went away. <laughs> but, you know, now we have not only the, um, the autologists and, um, you know, and other substitutes, but we have our placenta based substitutes and, uh, and um, PRP, the, the uh, uh, plasma rich uh, proteins and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's just, um, it, it's just mind blowing all the options, uh, that are available and are very successful in treating these chronic wounds. The, the strange thing is that I was looking at, um, you know, I'm a big fan of LCDs and NCDs and color oh, policies. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. And, and I only found one LCD from Novitas talking about um, the application of bioengineered skin substitutes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait, what, huh? Why don't we have more guidance, especially, um, I'm sure that you know that they they added something to our ICD-10 guidelines. I I couldn't possibly have a podcast where I don't talk about the guidelines. (laughs) Everybody knows I'm the only geek in the room that you go, hey, when was the last time you read the guidelines? And I'm like, three days ago. (laughs) I know who to call now. Thanks. But they did add to the guidelines now some specific instruction on those uh, non-pressure ulcers and debridement, Mm. and we code post-debridement, not pre-debridement. And um, I I thought that was great that they're starting to, well, I think it's great that the guidelines are starting to give us all a little bit more instruction and more, um, but 
Yeah, what are what are some of your favorite guidances for wound care? Well, it, you brought up a great point. I mean, several years ago, all the Macs had an LCD um, for either chronic wound care or more specifically the application of bioengineered skin substitutes. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about them, I tell people, you need to know five things. You need to know the indications, the limitations, the coding guidance, utilization, and documentation. <laughs> I mean, that's all you need to know, right? Yeah. <laughs> because when you have to talk to one of your providers about why they need to do it this way, all you all we had to do was show them these are the documentation guidelines. Mm -hmm. This is what you have to say if you don't want me coming back to you time and again because the claim has been rejected or outright denied. Mm -hmm. So you know how doctors are oh, and, yeah. and, and and even yeah, our non-physician um, providers Practic mm -hmm. or practitioners is they want to see it. You know, I mean, maybe they're all from Missouri. Show me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, you know, but to be able to have that was, oh, my, it was the best tool in my toolbox. Yeah. And I often tell them when I show a provider an LCD or an NCD, um, I'll refer to those references at the bottom. Look, mm -hmm. this, this wasn't put together willy-nilly. Right. These are your people. This is your organization, your specialty associations that are contributing to the decisions that are being made for payment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I say to be able to have that information, I mean, before our electronic medical records, you know, we would build... Um, documentation templates mm -hmm. for our doctor and posted in the dictation area they were taken directly from the lcd mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yes you have to say what the dimension of the wound is you know telling me it's left lower leg is not good enough you need to tell me where on the leg it is um you know right. and, and the instrument and okay so it's okay not to use anesthesia but tell me why is the patient neuropathic are they uh, paraplegic? Right. I mean, all those things we, you know, you ultimately wind up thinking about, or we wind up thinking about, um, right. you know, when we have to defend um, what we have submitted to the payer. So, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I find that all to be so very fascinating. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Well, and, and tell me if you do this, Christine. You know, as you as you pointed out, so many of our Macs and payers don't have policy or an, an LCD. Do you use retired LCDs to support I, an argument? I use anything I can get my hands on. Okay, very good. Absolutely. I, I will look at something. If, if, if there is nothing, like if I can't even find an LCD from another Mac, um, I will look at a retired I will go to the payer policies for some of those big commercial payers. Anything that is written and that has references to it, um, mm -hmm. I, I'll use anything I can to get something paid. But yes. you know, you, you also you hit it on the head when you said that sometimes providers are lacking in documentation, and you know, I always have to go back to them and say, I know that there's a, a big break between what's clinically relevant and what yeah. a payer needs to see for payment. 
<clears throat> but you have to remember that even if you transfer this record over to another provider, you know, let's say that this this goes south and they're going to need a general surgeon now. What right. information does that general surgeon need to continue the care for this patient? Lower yes. leg isn't going to help them out any either. Right. So, yeah, right. absolutely. Um, I had another question that I wanted to ask. I, you know, we both teach for the mm -hmm. virtual instructor-led training courses, mm -hmm. and something that comes up quite a bit with my students is when do we decide to use the debridement or debridement codes from the integumentary section versus the wound care codes in the medicine section? Do you have like a trigger word or a scenario that you? You just broached one of my favorite topics when, <laughs> when it comes to talking about wound care. Um, to give you a little history, back in the day, mm -hmm. debridement had five levels. We mm -hmm. had um, epidermis, dermis, sub-Q, muscle, and bone. Well, they took the epidermis and dermis out and put it in the active wound care in the medicine section. Okay. But the main difference between the two, between surgical debridement and active wound care, is the depth of the tissue removed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dermal and epidermal tissue, active wound care, sometimes, in fact, oftentimes will not bleed. There, there is no blood supply in the epidermis. That's why you could scratch yourself and not bleed. Oh. Okay. Okay. Um, in the dermis, yes, you start to get into vascular structure. So that may or may not bleed, again, depending on how deep it is. Mm-hmm. But essentially, if they removed non-vital and vital tissue, in other words, they made it bleed so you could get that healthy um, living wound base, you're in a surgical debridement mode. That's the integumentary section. Gotcha. Okay. If you only remove non-vital, or debris or bio burden, then you're in the active wound care. Okay. That's good to know. My, my only experience with wound care, um, I don't know if a lot of people know, I'm an equestrian, so I've had horses oh, my whole life. Sure. And we had this one beautiful paint mare who she accidentally mm -hmm. ran through a fence and oh. had a lot of damage to her two back legs. And you can't call a vet to do standard wound care. So the vet came out the first day, gave us all of the things that we needed, and we became the next wound care doctors. It took six months to heal her legs. But yes. like you said, there were days that there was nothing vascular, no bleeding. We just cleaned it really well. It looked mm -hmm. good, pink, healthy. Um, you know, you'll come back two days later and you needed to get down, you really needed to, to take some of that mm. tissue away. And, right. you know, so I, I can mm. visualize what you're saying because I sure. have that experience. You had that experience. Right. right. I'm, right. I'm a very visual kind of person, but right. that makes total yeah. sense to me now that you've said that. Thank you. If, if you will visualize um, a wound, you know, it's kind of saucer shaped mm -hmm. or maybe a little smaller and 
at the bottom, at the wound base, if it's nice and healthy and pink, vascular, those cells in the walls are going to migrate across that wound bed, fill it in, secondary intention healing, and you have healing. However, if that wound bed doesn't have a good blood supply, if it's all clogged up, if you will, with bio burden and debris, dead blood cells, um, uh, serous Uh stuff, you know, how Mm -hmm. wounds leak, Mm -hmm. that inhibits those cells from migrating across the wound bed and ultimately healing. That's the whole pathophysiology of wound healing in a nutshell. That makes so much sense. (laughs) That makes so much sense. Wow. Well, say you saw it with your horse and Mm -hmm. it looks exactly the same way in a person. That's incredible. I know we we also tried some very unique things. um, And I've heard that, that some hospitals use... Mm-hmm. Um, some unique healing. We would oh. make a paste of iodine and sugar. Mm-hmm. Honey is a big one. I mean, they've been using honey since the Middle Ages because it has antibacterial properties. Right. Um, you know, of course, everybody has heard about and and has the the similar reaction. Maggots. Yes. You know, I mean, and these are medical grade maggots, if you can imagine that, you know, they have been sterilized and so forth, but they eat dead tissue. Yeah. Well, I mean, people that come in and have maggots in a wound, you know, everybody freaks out and runs for the wastebasket. But when you look at their wounds, they're clean. Yeah. Because those little buggies have eaten all the bad stuff. So most people won't go for it just because of the visual. Um, and I totally get that, but it really is very effective. I, I think so. And, and I would love to see that we, we experiment a little bit more with some of these natural things that we know work. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Absolutely. Really, really interesting. So I have a, I have a question. If I had a new coder who wanted to get into wound care, and wound care coding, what advice would you give them? Oh, anatomy, really know your anatomy. Um, Are there any specialty societies or associations or uh, areas that, that maybe a new coder would, would reach out to to get more information? Not that I'm aware of currently, which is unfortunate because nurses have a wound care certification that they can get, the WCON, wound care ostomy mm-hmm. nurse. Um, I would like to see something like that down the road, um, just simply for coders in general, but new coders who perhaps would like to to go in that direction. I wish I had better advice. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I mean, that, that just means that we need a new, we need a little bit of a call for action. Um, so that wound care does Mm -hmm. get that recognition because it's so, so important. Break through the skin and we leave ourselves vulnerable to all types of things. Absolutely. And and MRSA infections Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, loss of limbs, gangrene, like the list goes on and on. So it does such an important, an important specialty. So yeah, so we have a few minutes left. I'm going to see if we have any questions from our audience 
Let's see. I'm going to scroll through here. We always have such wonderful participation. It's so nice to see everybody, Lady and Annette. Um, I know that you'll remember this, but do you remember Romper Room? Oh, yes. Okay. So Miss when Judy. I, yes. And With I her see, little mirror. I see, I see a Natasha. I see Catherine. I see Christy. <laughs> I want to get one of those. Oh, my gosh. You're making me feel old. <laughs> I want to run it up, Linda. So. Oh, that I is so funny. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Here's a great question. Christy has a question. She said, would wound, would debridement of skin subcutaneous tissue then multi-layered closure of the wound uh be considered intermediate repair or complex repair or where did it go uh or 13160 do you happen to know if wood debridement of skin subcutaneous tissue then multi-layer closure of the wound be considered intermediate repair or complex repair I think that's what they think that what well, this to, generally yeah. when you have closure of a wound, it's not chronic. This is because you have a traumatic injury or I think someone said here it was a dehist surgical wound. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, they have a specific code, uh, the one, three, one. Um, what? It could be the six zero. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have right. my book in front of me either. I but, don't yeah. either. Um, but yes, that is specifically for a dehist surgical wound. And the debridement is more than likely bundled into it. If you're talking about a chronic wound, then you the doctor may choose to close it, in which case, if it's multi-layer, if it's subcutaneous, I would probably call it an intermediate closure. Mm -hmm. If you were down into muscle or fascia, uh, then it may be complex. The, I think the key to all of this comes down to documentation. Um, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it, it, I, I could tell you, you know, I would say it would be nice if we could be in the room. But the reason I became a coder rather than a medical assistant, nurse, you know, what, however that journey was going to go for me was because I there were certain procedures I couldn't sit through. I can read them, but I couldn't sit through them. I ended uh, up on the floor. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I have a clinical background, so that has never been an issue for me, but I understand it's not for everybody. Um, my youngest daughter several years ago asked me if I thought that would be a good choice for her. She wanted something that was uh, that where she could maybe choose her own hours, work from home. The poor child could not get through a surgical note just reading it. So, yeah, no, not a good idea for you, honey. So. I could read them. Um, I just couldn't watch everything, if that oh. makes any sense. I, yeah. It does. And I understand. Now, I, could, I can watch all of the programs on TV, no problem. Mm -hmm. um, but even, I think I shared this with my friends before, even when I had my shoulder surgery and they took out my sutures, I got loopy. Like, what? anyway oh my <laughs> the, the only what? time the only time I ever and I actually fainted um I was assisting an ER doc suture up my child um she had a, a laceration uh through and through on her face into the mouth and um they just had like a five car pile up come in and they were busy and 
he he said, you sound like you've been around this. I, yeah, mm -hmm. I was an EMT for years. And uh, he said, well, then you can help me and relieve them to go do what they need to do. So I was, you know, I was snipping threads and I was sponging and all of that. And the next thing you know, I'm on the floor where they'd kicked me under the gurney so I'd be out of the way. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. But that was that's your child, too. I, when it, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a little different. Yeah, absolutely. I can't even imagine my children. My children would always go, uh, the wound only had value if it was bleeding. So that was the question. They would go, is it bleeding? Is it, is it bleeding, mom? And I would say, no, yeah. never. Just come in here. I'm going to, I'm going to put a little piece of tape on you. Right. Yeah. My, my dad was no blood, no count. Yeah. You know? yeah, so, yeah. 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 Don't bother me. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, wounds definitely are interesting for sure. They well, really are. And if I can make a brief comment, um, let's see, where did it go? Um, where did it go? It's sometimes it just scrolls. Which one are you looking for? Oh, Melissa, you said you'd like me to come speak at your chapter. I would be happy to. Um, please, by all means, get in touch with me. Um, and we'll set a date. I love talking about wound care. Oh, you may be sorry you asked. <laughs> it sounds so interesting. I can't thank you enough for coming on today and sharing all of this amazing information with us. And I learned something new today as well. So oh, I definitely am going to share your information with my students. Well, thank so, you. Thank um, you so much. I appreciate it. I had so much fun. It was great working with you, Christine. Thank you for everybody that, that dialed in. Um, have a wonderful day, guys. Make sure that yes. you get some rotisserie chicken and you wash it down with a little bit of moonshine. Or wine. Exactly. <laughs> we, we can call it moon, moonshine slash wine day. Okay. Wine day. I like it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll see you in two weeks. And I appreciate you being here. So have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. Thanks for watching. Are we, are we off?